Saving money on protecting your garden. Now at Menards. Messina's Animal Stopper is a liquid repellent that prevents pesky animals from damaging your garden. Available in a convenient, ready-to-use bottle. It lasts for up to 30 days, regardless of weather and watering. Save big money on Messina's Animal Stopper at Menards. And check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals happening now. Legend has it, underneath the NJM insurance offices lies a room of rejected mascot memorabilia. Is it real? No one knows. But we do know NJM is proud to put policyholders first. No jingles or mascots, just great insurance. NJM. Hi, I'm Anna Marie Cox. Welcome to With Friends Like These. Now, one thing that some people don't know about me is that I am a big football fan. And I married into a Villanova family, which means I've gained an interest in college basketball by osmosis. But even if you aren't a sports fan, you probably realize that fandom is, for good progressive feminists like myself, problematic. Even after the industry's reckoning on race, which was led by athletes, there's still a lot to be uncomfortable with. Double standards about sexual assault, corruption, double standards for men and women's sports, how people even talk about that stuff. That's why I wanted to talk to Mina Kimes. Mina Kimes has been on the show before. We talked about a big story she wrote on the Olympic gymnastics team scandal. But since then, she's been promoted by ESPN out of reporting and is now the channel's only female NFL analyst. She's also the only female Korean-American analyst. This interview was recorded in early April, so there are references to Baylor University's March Madness win, as well as what were then new allegations against the Houston Texans quarterback, Deshaun Watson. This is all still relevant. So we do talk about sexual assault. If you're not up for listening to a conversation that contains that right now, take a break. Come back later. We'll be here for you. Coming right up. ESPN's Mina Kimes. Mina, welcome to the show. Glad to be back. You are an NFL analyst for ESPN. That is my title, yes, officially. You are, just to get out of the way, you're the only female NFL analyst on ESPN. Yeah, so we have um, a lot of really great NFL reporters and hosts, including the host of our the show I'm on, NFL Live. But uh, my job being an analyst is being an opinionator. Um, so doing analysis, it's exactly what it sounds like. Um, and that is that is new. Yes. yes. And I want to sort of dive into that a little bit further. But first, I actually want to tell you something I found um, just kind of poking around before the interview, which oh is that The Guardian ranked you as the second best commentator on ESPN. Yeah, I, I, I didn't know my mom was writing for The Guardian, but that's cool. Runner up to Dominique Foxworth, who I'm also a fan of. I believe he's a friend of yours. Yeah. Um, and they liked him because he's willing to criticize the league and talk about banjos. Uh, but ban- banjos. I want to read. That's what they said. I haven't heard that particular soliloquy. Um, but I want to read to you what they said. Mm. Whereas Foxworth works with a player gone corporate, gone rogue personality, Kimes works in the reverse space. A former business reporter, Kimes brings an objective, intellectual, numbers-based approach to understanding the game, a rarity among ESPN's growing lineup of hot air blowers. Insightful and informative. She's a brilliant writer. Her podcast provides an excellent look at the league and pet dogs. 
Well, I, you know, I think I'm not a rarity. I do think we have a lot of folks who are using numbers. <laughs> I um, want to ask you to comment on your colleagues. I'm actually sort well, of, but I am yeah. curious, like, what do you think of that write-up? Um, I do, I will say, I do try to, people always ask me, um, what experience do you draw on from your prior career? Not as a sports writer, but as a business writer, uh, as a business journalist for about eight or nine years before moving over to sports. And I think, I would, the obvious answer is I do use numbers, uh, <laughs> statistics, and I, I like them. I think we can learn a lot of things from them. I think the information we get from them is also growing in really cool and exciting ways. Um, a lot of which is being led by statistics people at ESPN, but also I was a investigative reporter and I think maybe ask questions in a way that stems from my background. You know, it didn't occur to me to ask you this till just now, but I feel like having that numbers-based financial background, investigative reporting background, it gives you a kind of, um, I'm using torn between using the words armor and foundation for your opinions. Because being a woman on the internet in general and having opinions at the same time is tough. And you probably know that more than most because having opinions about sports is really tough. So do you think, like, I, I was going to ask you just straight up, like, how do you deal with it? But part of me wonders, like, has having that kind of, like, knowing your shit helpful? Actually, mentally, it is helpful because yeah. you get the same feedback. And then if you know what you're saying is coming from a place of facts, that feedback uh, hits you different. It feels different uh, because you realize it tends to be oriented towards things like tone and appearance or just general, you know, feel. And... um you know, I always tell people when they ask me how I'm affected or not affected by backlash or criticism, I'm only affected when I feel like there's a grain of truth um, or when it's like substantive. And I think bringing quantitative analysis to the conversation, um, you know, it gives you a little bit of um, it, it gives you an arsenal to deal with that. Frankly, you said armor, I'll say arsenal. And um, I'd say it gives you confidence, which is going from the, the the shift from being a writer to an analyst is the biggest difference is not the content of my work. It, that is, which is very different, but the fact that it requires much more confidence uh, in my presentation and as a person. And so having research, and I'm sure you feel the same way when you've read up on someone or a topic, you feel more confident in every aspect, asking questions, doing analysis. I feel exactly the same way talking about football. But we also are going to have to talk about things that are not exactly football. And you have to talk about things that are not exactly football. I, I have <laughs> many questions that deal with you. But unfortunately, as you and I predicted when we talked before the show, there are things in the news to talk about. Um, the first one being Deshaun Watson, who was in the news when we first talked. Now, as of today, 22 sexual misconduct allegations. So I feel... You tell me. I feel like what's happening with him is a really extreme thing and maybe not the best example for us to start with in terms of talking about hmm. how the league deals with these kinds of allegations. But I, you are, in fact, the expert. Well, I'd say um, his case, cases, which is very much still in its infancy right now, because the league recently launched, like this all just came out mm -hmm. over the last two or three weeks, I want to say it was the first one. And, 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 and it came out in a very uh, bizarre way that I think is really important 
to our discussion of it, because when the first allegation came out, it involved a lawyer who was kind of divisive in the Houston area and may and people thought originally that he was close with the owner of the Texans. And for those who don't know, Deshaun Watson, who's one of the best young quarterbacks in the NFL um, and is very beloved and is this advocate for social change and all these things that have really endeared him to both fans and reporters, uh, he had demanded a trade out of Houston. So you, you get this allegation, it's this lawyer who's divisive and may have this connection to the team. And I think everybody and, and by everyone i mean fans reporters analysts players everyone people thought wait well okay like what's got what's going on here there's a lot of weirdness and then another allegation came out and then another allegation all through the same lawyer and these were civil lawsuits being brought they were telling a range of similar stories involving massage therapists who had said he'd either crossed a line or outright ass- assaulted them um then sports illustrated did a story involving a woman who was not affiliated, who was not suing him at the time and not affiliated with this lawyer um, and didn't even say that he had assaulted her, but again, told a pretty similar story. Then, and this is literally the day where we talked, two of the women came out and, and one of them did a press conference, but they put their names out there. So it's extreme because of the number. It's extreme because Deshaun Watson is one of the faces of the league. And a lot of the other cases we're talking about ranging from Ray Rice in 2014 through more recently, some other players are less famous and thus more expendable in the eyes of teams. Um, It's unfortunately, though, not a really good platform to talk about the league's handling because the league hasn't actually done anything yet. So, you know, on shows that I'm on, usually when we give commentary, we're responding to a punishment or lack thereof. Right now, we're just saying this is a thing that's happening. Here's the reporting on it. But we're not responding to any punishment or any action because there hasn't been a moment to do it. To there's, There hasn't been time for an action to take place. Are you having to analyze it as a issue for him as a professional, though? So at first, yeah. That, How that does is, this affect what, his trade chances? Pretty much they've gone out the window. <laughs> I mean, and I, I, I know, but it... Y- you laugh, but like, this was something that we debated. Do we talk about this as a football topic? Because um, up until the day before the story came out, that's how we were talking about it. This was a, he, he is a player who is amazing and who teams were willing to send everything, you know, all the draft picks, everything they could for a chance to get. And it was this juicy NFL story and it was ahead of the draft. So we're early in draft picks and suddenly you know, after the first allegation, we we're like, well, maybe it still is. And as time went by, it became increasingly clear. No, this trade is very likely not happening. And frankly, it shouldn't happen because any team that would make this sort of trade would be signaling exactly what they thought of the allegations. And that regardless of, you know, how mealy mouth you are, not you, but like various people have been talking about this. I think we can all agree that that would have been outrageous. <laughs> How do you see that conversation evolving? Because to me, is it is it at least an improvement that you're having the conversation off air about whether or not you're going to talk about it explicitly? Or are still things kind of in the Stone Age? No, things have, I mean, geez, Louise, the way we talk about it now versus 2014 when the Ray Rice story happened, it, it, it's evolved not just in sports media, but like during games, you know, mm. when or during the NFL draft, um, if you go back and watch some of the broadcasts and the drafts and the shows and the way these things used to be discussed in the past, it, like many things in the past, would not age well at all. And I think collectively, um, 
people in and around sports do a better job of discussing it now. However, you, like I said, you, you still hear off the field issues and, um, you know, people try to find, I wouldn't say soften it, but they don't want to get into the nuance in it. And in part, because a lot of times people are afraid of getting something wrong. Um, and they haven't cared enough to do the research. i for me, something I get asked a lot. And I know we're going to talk about is, well, is there any room for redemption? Are you canceling them? And, and the number one thing I always say, and I'm sure we'll talk about that is I always want to look at every story, every case, every instance, male, female, baseball, football, whatever, on a case by case basis. But most importantly, I just want to say what fucking happened. I just want to be specific. I think that in itself is the most important place we can start on any of these is just if the guy's accused of rape, say he was accused of rape. If this woman was accused of domestic violence, say she was accused of domestic violence. Don't say drama or off the field or red flag. Just say what it is. And that in itself isn't a judgment. And that's, you know, it's you're not saying anything, I think, necessarily unfair. You're just saying the truth. And we still aren't even there. Hmm. Do those conversations before air have they started to change? Yeah. I mean, as someone who's, you know, has those conversations, not only with producers, but with colleagues of mine, primarily male colleagues, um, I do, I have noticed that um, there's a greater level of knowledge around all of it, the way we talk about it, the fact that we talk about it, the urgency. So the Baylor University uh, men's basketball team just won NCAA championship. I'm mad about that personally, because I just on principle hate Baylor. Um, but there's also a story there, which is that in 2003, that program was investigated because one person murdered another person on the team. One basketball player murdered another basketball player. And when a further investigation was done, there was drug use, there was pay to play. There was like all kinds of wrong things happening. Not any sexual assault that I know of. Unusual for Baylor. Um, and they got suspended. They got a no conference play for a year. Um, it decimated their program. They didn't have another winning season for like five years. I bring this up, not just because i biased against Baylor, but because when they won, the commentators were all like, oh, such a good thing for this program. This program's come such a long way. That seemed like a weird lacuna to me, but yeah, maybe I'm just too much of a TCU fan. I am willing to be convinced otherwise. First, I said, well, or as we just discussed, being specific, not using euphemisms, not trying to soften our description. The other thing is uh, viewing these sort of incidents that you and I are talking about um, and not, not viewing, but not characterizing them as adversity or obstacles to overcome. And that's something, again, when you go, when you, when you watch old broadcasts <laughs> and recent, I don't know why I'm saying old, but uh, it, it's an issue that I, and I think a lot of people um, cringed over the years when we would hear a crime or um, any sort of, you know, incident of the kind we're discussing being characterized as something that an athlete has overcome. That's, it, it, it sounds so crazy coming off of my lips, right? Like just that, how on earth would anyone think that's how you should characterize that? But it is how it's been characterized for a long time. Uh, and I think it, it's wild to me that it still happens. And I think that's what you're describing. I think so. I mean, 
I tend to agree. I also was going to say, I, I thought you might be a little more sympathetic to the idea of not mentioning it. Um, I'm glad to hear that you, it sounds like you, it would be good to put context um, on some things. Like that was my main yeah. argument with it seriously, is that you should, if you're going to talk about a, a program has come a long way. <laughs> I always say that sometimes um, some people object with, I'd love to hear your thoughts. I feel like there, there are, <laughs> One thing I found, like I'm an analyst, most of the time we're just talking about X's and O's. Mm-hmm. I can't, literally, it would be not only inappropriate, but I think demeaning to certain incidents if I was saying, well, and, and Antonio Brown had, you know, three touchdowns. Oh, and by the way, he was also accused of, you know, sexual, da, 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 and then just moved on. So there are certain situations, I think, when we're talking where it's inappropriate, it doesn't feel um, pertinent to the conversation unless I'm talking about that athlete's life and exi- biography and who they are. And then the other thing is, if you're not equipped to talk about it, just don't do it. And that hasn't stopped a lot of people. Yeah, I was going to say that. <laughs> maybe that's unfair. Maybe that's like a, too much of a hall pat. Like, I don't know, but that's how I feel sometimes listening to it. Obviously, like, I have the long memory of a, of a rival fan, right? That's why I could think about that. Um, what I was thinking about when I was putting together the questions for you, though, was something that, you know, my husband has said when I bring this up, uh, which is you can't blame the current players, right? Like when a program has yeah. some history to it. I am sympathetic to that argument. I really, really am. But I also think that sports fans have been allowed to live in a vacuum for a long time and just consume their entertainment as though it was existed in a bubble. This past year, we have seen that bubble be punctured just really sharply, right? And so maybe I'm asking too much for, on top of all that, we reminded of a murder case at, at, while well, um, uh, One Shining Moment is being played. Well, um, I would say, listen, <laughs> it, like, if you don't want to blame the current players, and I agree with that, I, I think that's accurate, then don't make this a story of triumph for the program. Make it a story of triumph for the players. And, you know, I mean choose your words carefully because once you start talking about a program or any entity or person that was around when the bad things happened, then you do, you are obligated to change what you say. Yeah, I agree. And I don't, I want to be clear. Like I I don't damn the people that didn't mention, you know, my particular pet peeve here um, or who don't mention during the X's and O's conversation, like every single bad thing that any player has ever done. Right. Cause I agree. Like as a fan, you know, a perhaps social justice warrior fan, but still a fan, I don't particularly want my football interrupted by a soliloquy or even an aside <laughs> about stuff that isn't happening on the field like right now. Um, but when I think about the Baylor question, it goes to this institution's question, which you're right, like maybe one way out of this for someone who's doing, you know, analysis or commentating is just to leave the institutions out of it. Right. If you're going to tell someone's story, you have to tell the whole story. You don't have to tell their story, (laughs) frankly. And that's a decision I make all the time when I'm talking about sports. I mean, frankly, most of the time, just because I'm I'm an analyst, I'm talking about stuff that happens on the field. I think the omission only feels glaring to me when the story is introduced at all. When we hear about the adversity or the biography or the year or how did this player end up here? And then you have to tell the truth. Mm -hmm. Uh, And but that's a decision you can make. Not whether to tell the truth, but whether to tell the story to begin with. 
the reason one of the reasons I brought up institutions is partially because I do want to get to talk about the league, I guess, but um, sure. also because that puncture of of the sports bubble that happened it's always it's always been little needle pricks to it, but and like I said, some big daggers um, to it this past year from the pandemic um, to um, George Floyd's death. Um, I feel like it is perhaps good to remind people who watch sports that there is a there is a whole structure of power that is happening. You know, like again, not during a game, perhaps. <laughs> but that you're participating in something like when you watch sports, like it's a, it's a thing. Like if you, and I believe this is something you and I talked about a lot the last time you were on that just as a female football fan or sports fan in general, I guess too, um, there's always a double awareness or at least there is for me. And I, I think there's for you of like, I'm both enjoying this thing and there's also like some stuff that I don't like about it. Right. And I think a lot of straight white men get to watch sports and not have that double awareness. I think a lot of people also just choose not to. (laughs) I mean, you're right. But just to take it back to Watson, because this is a story that's in the news right now. And I'm having a lot of conversations with people in and around football, people who love football. And I have friends of I've found that I have male friends who are analysts, who some of them are white who are saying like, this is, I, I just, this is, I'm struggling with this. This is hitting me hard. I am deeply affected by this. And then I have some who are, who are just totally oblivious to it. And, and it can't even, it doesn't even occur to them that this is a thing that's bothering people right now. And people are battling with how to talk about it. I have to ask, do you feel like you knew Deshaun Watson, not necessarily as a person, but um, as from reporting on him, I'm sure you've had interactions with him. Yeah, I've never interviewed him or profiled him. And I think that would be a very complicated experience right now. Um, And I know it is from people I know who have. Um, You know, I've had the experience, though, in the past where I've reported on people and then learned some things, nothing like this, but, you know, some things that have kind of changed the way I feel. And for me, it's always been a reminder that watching someone excel at something and spending a few hours with them doesn't mean you know them. And that's relevant to this story. And I think, again, to other stories, because what often happens is, um, you know, that, that, that sometimes it involves get athletes, just famous people in general. And everyone says, yeah, not really surprised by this. But sometimes you'll, you'll have people come out and say, well, this isn't the person I know. And this is often the case, by the way, with sexual assault and domestic violence, crimes against women. People will say, well, that, that wasn't my experience with him. Well, you know what? your experience is not universal. And I think that's something we as a society still struggle with. We struggle to understand and we especially struggle to understand it um, when we're talking about people who have delighted, entertained us, impressed us in other ways. We'll be right back with more Mina Kimes in just a minute. With Friends Like These is brought to you by HVMN. Trying to cut sugar, sleep a little better, not feel so groggy during the day. Health via modern nutrition can help you do all of those things with a few small keto-friendly choices to improve your metabolism throughout your day. 
HVMN is a nutrition company that takes the mystery out of counting macros. Their results-driven modern nutrition for modern lifestyles with less sugar than their competitors. Their products provide lifestyle and habit upgrades that help their customers become healthier and better versions of themselves. Using real organic ingredients, HVMN has made keto and lifestyle improvements easy with healthy and low sugar options that are great for you and deliciously satisfying. HVMN offers single items like MCT oil, keto food bars, and keto collagen powder, or you can grab a kit that includes all the essentials at an everyday discount. Whether you're curious about keto, want to improve your performance, or boost brain and body wellness, HVMN has a non-intimidating solution for you and tasty flavors. HVMN is modern nutrition for modern lifestyles, and their new kits make it easy to embrace healthy living and quickly feel the difference. Right now, HVMN is offering our listeners an additional 10% off your first order when you go to hvmn.com slash friends. Embrace healthy living today. Go to hvmn.com slash friends for 10% off your first order. That's hvmn.com slash friends for 10% off. With Friends Like These is brought to you by Made For. Have you tried to develop a new habit but couldn't keep the routine? Tired of restarting your fitness goals? Let Made For help you build lasting positive changes in small steps from the inside out so you can be your best self. Each month, you receive a kit with a challenge and one small action to do every day that you can easily integrate into your normal routine. No apps, screens, or devices. I got my kit this week. It's about drinking more water, which honestly is a challenge for me. I just don't like water. And here's what I love about it this challenge. It is only seven days, seven days to start. And it's not set towards drinking a specific amount like 64 ounces. It's just try drinking more water. And here's a really cool water bottle to inspire you. And then at night, you write a couple lines about anything you may have noticed adding more water to your life. Just how it went, not did you fail or succeed at a specific goal. I imagine once the habit is ingrained, you probably don't have to do the journaling part, but writing helps you ingrain the habit. These simple tasks shift your mindset and behavior slowly over time so you can stick with your new habits long term. Made For uses neuroscience and positive psychology to support positive habits around gratitude, mental clarity, movement, and more. It's the wellness program you only need to do once. See results that last a lifetime with Made For. And right now, Made For is offering our listeners 15% off your order with promo code FRIENDS. Payment is flexible, and this promotion applies whether you order an intro box or the full program. So go to getmadefor.com and take control of your well-being. Use promo code FRIENDS for 15% off. That's getmadefor.com, promo code FRIENDS. With Friends Like These is brought to you by Stamps.com. What would you do if you had more time and money? What would you do? Well, the first thing that comes to mind for me, travel. I just got fully vaccinated and I am going to visit my dad who I haven't seen in a year and a half as soon as possible. And with more time and money, I could do that sooner. Well, here's one way to save time and money. Stamps.com. Are you still going to the post office, still paying full price for postage? Well, thanks to Stamps.com, you don't have to anymore. Mail and ship anytime, anywhere, right from your computer. Send letters, ship packages, and pay less, a lot less, with discounted rates from USPS, UPS, and more. Stamps.com saves businesses thousands of hours and tons of money every year. Like, I'm still in the process of settling into my new place, which means I'm ordering furniture and house stuff mostly online, which means I'm returning a lot of things. 
Stamps.com has probably saved me even more time and money than it would normally, and it's made me happier because I never settle for the wrong piece of furniture or sheets or towels or whatever just because it's too much of a hassle to return it. I return so many things. And Stamps.com brings the services of the U.S. Postal Service and UPS right to my computer. It's a must-have for any business. Whether you're a small office sending invoices or a side hustle Etsy shop shipping out orders or just navigating this hybrid work life, Stamps.com can handle it all with ease. No wonder over 1 million businesses choose Stamps.com for all their mailing and shipping needs. Simply use your computer to print official U.S. postage 24-7 for any letter, any package, any class of mail, anywhere you want to send it. Once your mail is ready, just schedule a pickup or drop it off. It's that simple. With Stamps.com, you get discounts of up to 40% off post office rates and up to 66% off UPS shipping rates. Not to mention, Stamps.com is a fraction of the cost of all those expensive postage meters. Stamps.com is a no-brainer, saves you time and money. It's no wonder nearly 1 million small businesses already use Stamps.com. Stop wasting time going to the post office and go to Stamps.com instead. There is no risk. And with my promo code, FRIENDS, you get a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in FRIENDS. That's Stamps.com, promo code FRIENDS. Stamps.com. Never go to the post office again. For over 130 years, McCormick has helped you make mom's lasagna to keep her secret recipe alive. Take over taco night. No matter how chaotic your day is. Conquer the bake sale. Even if you get to it last minute. And craft the perfect Sunday brunch. When it's not even Sunday. Because with McCormick by your side, it's going to be great. I want to talk about those other punctures to the sports bubble that happened in the past year and perhaps ongoing. You've had kind of a, you know, inside view uh, in this year that has been, sports have been enormously affected by politics and by the world events. And I know you're an X's and O's person, but I'm more curious about that view from the inside, from talking to colleagues, the meetings you've had and that kind of thing. Less what you've said on the air, less that, that kind of stuff, but more what that's been like. Yeah. Well, we, you know, um, I would say we do talk about culture, society, sports, race, God race over the last summer as, as on a lot of the shows I do outside of NFL live, I'm on a highly questionable around the horn and, and we, we get into it a lot and, um, we can't not, I think, especially over the last year or so. Um, and, you know, I'll, I'll never forget, like one year ago, I was flying home from New York when the NBA games were canceled um, after Rudy Gobert tested positive for coronavirus. And that moment was such a stark reminder that like sports are the stage upon which a lot of these issues play out for the nation in real time. And then you get to the summer where as the protests on behalf of Black Lives Matter are happening around the summer, you see so many athletes leading the way and debating how, with, whether, if sports should be the stage again for these issues to play out and whether or not they're a distraction or an amplifier. And, you know, you see a range of opinions uh, from athletes on that. I think for me, it was just a reminder of like, okay, my job here is to 
really it's not dissimilar from what it is when I'm just actually talking about sports. It's to take in for inf- take in information, educate myself, become smarter, and then give educated opinions and convey um, and synthesize this information in a way for our audience that can actually make them smarter, entertained, all of those things. And I felt that burden over the last year, probably more than I ever have before. What do you mean by that? Not only do I feel like, did, did I feel, do I still feel um, like I want to discuss whatever I'm discussing on television and sound and, and not just sound, but say the quote unquote right things uh, because I don't want to talk out of my ass, but now I'm talking about things with major consequences. Um, things that, you know, I, I mean, again, especially over the last, like I, you know, covering a league that's 70% black talking about issues um, like criminal justice, most, you know, predominantly this year that affect these men, that's enormous responsibility. I'm on television in front of, you know, hundreds of thousands of people. I'm conveying that these players are talking about this and why it's important. That's a big burden. And I already feel burden because of who I am, um, and, you know, and, and what that means, but that amplified that only more for me. Um, and, you know, I hope I live up to it, but I often feel like I fall short. What do you mean by who you are, the burden of who you are? Well, that's more for the X's and O's sides of things. But like you said, you know, at the beginning, my job at ESPN, NFL analyst, it's unique for a woman to have that job. Um, so not only, you know, I intellectually, I know that I shouldn't feel additional pressure to not get things wrong, to be, you know, perfect or whatever. But my heart knows that there are people turning on television who forget judging me to a higher standard or believing that I'm a diversity hire, something I get told pretty much every day, but also people who like, I have the ability to change their minds or open their, their hearts to what a person can do (laughs) in this space. Um, You know, I always think about um, Asian Americans or young women, expanding their ideas of what kind of jobs are possible, what kind of, um, not just what kind of jobs are possible, like what kind of self-presentation is possible, quite frankly. So that is something I feel acutely as a responsibility, even talking about something as dumb as the Cardinals pass rush in 2021. <laughs> Pretty self I believe I have told you, you have one of the best Zoom room backgrounds of anyone I know, in I'm not in front of it. I feel bad. Um, I gotta, it contains among other things, a pavement album cover, which you won my heart already. Different kind of representation. Every every day, a, a, a 38-year-old white man in America turns on ESPN and feels represented. And falls in love. Me. But so you have a you have a beautiful background. You do have Thanks. also, I noticed, a Korean flag. Yeah. Have you had that there a long time? No. Um, I put it there... I'm sure you can actually probably figure it out just by looking at my clips. I think probably about six months ago or so. Um, I just found it in my house. And, you know, I was kind of looking at my backdrop and thinking about the things that people turn on their TV and see. And, you know, if I'm going to appeal to that 38-year-old white dude who 
grew up listening to uh, Guided by Voices and stuff, I might as well appeal to another population that I care about very much. And so I, I stuck it in my plant. Do you hear from young women, young Asian American women? What do you hear from them? Just said they're excited to do, see themselves on TV um, and see themselves represented in a way that's kind of different. And, um, you know, obviously, especially now at a moment, I think when Asian Americans are more conscious of their Asian Americanness and and how they're perceived by many other people in this country more than ever in feeling that pain and um, fear and at times fear. Um, I think it, it's meaningful to feel pride and to have that pride broadcast, um, you know, at 2.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. In case anyone wanted to tune in. Yes. Yeah. Or four o'clock for NFL Live. <laughs> Eastern. Last ad break. With Friends Like These is brought to you by Olipop. Olipop is soda for grownups. It has all the flavors you loved as a kid. Vintage cola, classic root beer, orange squeeze, cherry vanilla, and strawberry vanilla, but formulated so they're not as sweet and more complex. As someone who doesn't drink alcohol, it is really hard to find drinks that still feel kind of special, like something you want to savor and enjoy. Olipop is something I can savor, and it's good for me. They use functional ingredients that combine the benefits of prebiotics, plant fiber, and botanicals to support your microbiome and benefit digestive health. 90% of Americans consume more than the USDA's daily recommended amount of sugar, which is 30 grams. Sweetened beverages like soda are the leading source of added sugars in the American diet. Olipop only has two to five grams of sugar. Their vintage cola has just two grams of sugar. A regular Coca-Cola has 39 grams of sugar. Orange Fanta has 44 grams of sugar. Olipop's Orange Squeeze has five. All of their products are non-GMO, vegan, paleo, and keto-friendly with less than eight net grams of carbs per can. They are confident you will love their products, so they offer a 100% money-back guarantee for orders placed through their website. We've worked out an exclusive deal for With Friends Like These podcast listeners. Receive 20% off plus free shipping on their best-selling variety pack. This is a great way to try all of their delicious flavors. Go to drinkolipop.com slash friends or use code friends at checkout to claim this deal. That's drinkolipop, D-R-I-N-K-O-L-I-P-O-P.com slash friends. This discount is only valid for their variety pack. Olipop can be found at over 3,000 stores, including Whole Foods, Sprouts, Kroger, Wegmans, and Erewhon, but you're going to want to order online. That's drinkolipop.com slash friends. With Friends Like These is brought to you by BetterHelp. What interferes with your happiness? I have to ask myself this question every week. I always have an answer. Relationships, work stress, body issues, and, you know, ongoing pandemic. What about you? What interferes with your happiness? Well, BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can connect in a safe and private online environment, making it so convenient you can begin communicating in under 24 hours. It is not self-help. It is professional counseling. Send a message to your counselor anytime and you'll get quick and thoughtful responses. You can also schedule weekly video or phone sessions, all without ever having to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. The service is available for clients worldwide, and it's more affordable than traditional offline counseling. 
and financial aid is available. You can pick from licensed professional counselors with specialties like depression, anger, stress, anxieties, relationships, sleeping, and trauma, expertise that may not be available in your area. Anything you share is confidential, and you can check out the testimonials posted daily on their site. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp, they're recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. I want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com friends. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, better, slash friends. With Friends Like These is brought to you by Public Goods, the one-stop shop for sustainable, high-quality, everyday essentials made from clean ingredients at an affordable price. Everything from coffee to toilet paper and shampoo to pet food. Public Goods is your new everything store, thoughtfully designed for the conscious consumer. Rather than buying from a bunch of single product brands, Public Good members can buy all of their premium essentials in one place with one beautiful, streamlined aesthetic. Public Good searches the globe to find clean, healthy, eco-friendly, and innovative products. And I honestly cannot recommend the cleaning products enough. They smell great, they work great, and most of them are packaged as concentrate, so you just add water so they're easier on the planet. And all of their products are ethically sourced and obsessively developed, free of unhealthy ingredients and harmful additives still common on drug and grocery store shelves. They're committed to making their products healthy and safe for humans, animals, and the environment. Public Goods uses a membership model to keep costs low and pass on even more savings to their customers. Best of all, though... You can make your first purchase with no obligation. We've worked out an awesome new deal for with friends like these listeners. Receive $15, that's $15 off your first public goods order with no minimum purchase. That's right. They are so confident you will love their products and come back again and again. They are giving you $15 to spend on your first purchase. Plus, right now, receive your choice of either a free pack of bamboo straws or reusable food storage wraps with your order. You have nothing to lose. Just go to publicgoods.com slash friends or use code friends at checkout. That is P-U-B-L-I-C-G-O-O-D-S dot com slash friends to receive $15 off your first order. Were you worried about backlash when you put that flag in? Ah, I get it all the time. Actually, it has ample. It has amped up. So um, a lot of the bad stuff I get, I would say ninety nine nine. That's ninety five percent of it is sexual, not racial. It's about um, gender. Uh, so it's not always sexual, too. But sorry, that is probably the wrong way to put it. It's about me being a woman. But I have noticed uh, recently it's amped up a little bit on the racial side too. There's a guy on Instagram who responds to everything I post calling me a racial slur that I won't repeat here. And uh, that I, uh, I've noticed that kind of thing picking up over the last few months. I'm curious, what do you get asked a lot? What is the thing that people want to know? Gosh, I would say the greatest hits compilation for me Um you know, what is it like being a woman in sports media? How do you deal with backlash? It's actually changed a lot is the truth. Cause I used to say, you know, Oh, it's, you got to process it this way and, and talk to these people and this kind of thing. And, and what I say now is I really don't read it anymore. Cause it's something I've learned a lot about myself over the last year is that I'm incapable of growing the sort of tough skin I've been advocating. And um, so I just look a lot less and, I don't, I like have my Twitter set to where I only see mentions from people who follow me. Let me tell you, (laughs) that is a game changer. If you're listening and there's one thing you walk away from this with, change your settings. 
there is probably there's just people screaming in the ether and I just have not seen it for a year now. And that's great. Um, so I get asked that I get asked, how do you cover football given what we know about the game? And that is like a whole other hour long conversation, but obviously I think that's something. what we did the first yeah, time we yeah, talked. Yeah, so, so. <laughs> yeah, everybody, everybody's go curious, listen go listen to yeah. that one. Um, so I get asked that I get asked who should I draft in fantasy? Uh, we'll and then, t- can we cover that just after I can hear you on that? Yeah. Okay, okay. And then as it pertains to what you and I were talking or have been talking about sort of, which is off the field issues and red flags and how do we talk about it, which I think is really important. Mostly just actually start by calling it what it is. I've said the next thing I get asked is, well, where is the room for forgiveness? And are you just trying to cancel people? They didn't used to call it canceling. That's, of course, the last couple of years or so. It used to be, um, you know, well, second it, chances, you know, second chances. Yeah. yeah. Now it's all looped under the cancel culture umbrella. Um, but, you know, like in 2014, when Ray Rice, um, when that incident happened, when he struck his, his fiance, I believe not wife at the time, I might be misnumbering. It's been eight years. There was, the, there was elevator footage. Of it. Was that was the, it was, yeah, it was on camera and that's yeah. what made it so explosive of a story. And then also the fact that the NFL mishandled it every step of the way, because it was very new to this kind of exposure, not new to these incidents. Um, and so then I would gas a lot. Well, like, so Ray Rice was, you know, cut. Okay. Do you believe in second chances? And Ray Rice is actually a really good example. He remains a really good example because the reason why Ray Rice didn't get a second chance wasn't because he committed domestic violence she did on camera it's because he was old and he was no longer useful to an NFL team and I we have seen time and time again that players who are very good and young do get second chances in the league um just this happens always and I say Ray Rice is a good example not just because of the utility aspect but because Ray Rice did do everything you have to do that you have to do I'm, that sounds imperious but when people ask me what does it take I point to him and I say, read any interview with Ray Rice over the last few years, because uh, this is a man who thought deeply and had a lot of really difficult conversations about what happened and um, not only, you know, came to terms with it, he was honest about it. He was honest with himself. He was honest with his family and he accepted his punishment and moved on. And I think that there is space in forget society in the NFL and in other leagues for second chances. Obviously there are, every case is different and different actions require different punishments and whatever. And you Joe sports fan never have to forgive anyone. You, a man or a woman who watches this team doesn't have to find it in your heart. I'm just talking about leagues, but I also think um, we still have very, you know, still very few cases like Ray Rice where, People are willing to do that kind of work and be that kind of honest and transparent, unfortunately. And a lot of that has to do with um, what I said earlier, which is the way in which they're valued and um, the way in which, you know, so many people in and around sports are empowered to not have to do that. So when we talked earlier about you coming on, one of the things you said was that you were happy to come on and you felt like you could be more free to discuss things because, of course, I am not ESPN. We, I do not have the reach let's say, the 2.30, you know, Eastern time slot on ESPN. Uh, I wonder if there's anything that I've missed that you need space to talk about. Here we are. It's safe. It's your safe space, Mina. What if, <laughs> what, what could I have asked you about that you wouldn't talk about on ESPN that you can talk about here? 
I want to ask, I want to ask you a question. Hmm. Um, I'm wrestling with the responsibility of talking about stories like Watson. And I wrestle with the fact, and I've had conversations with many women in and around, I keep saying in and around, in my industry. It's because I use that phrase in and around the NFL a lot. It's like a very NFLese type thing. Anyways, um, and one thing that a lot of us are saying to each other is why does it always have to be us? Mm. Why can't our male colleagues be the ones leading the way on this? Why can't they be pushing to have it on programming? Why can't they be doing the work and asking questions. And then I, I, I get so tired of feeling like it has to be me. But then I, I say, well, if not me, who else? And I, and I wonder as a sports fan, do you feel disappointed when these issues aren't discussed? Do you, when you see a woman like myself or any other person on camera, do you want us to talk about these things? How does it make you feel when we do? Um, <laughs> and I'd love to know that. I would say that again, having to do that balancing act, that double awareness of a, of a feminist, not just a female sports fan, right. But a feminist social sure. justice warrior sports fan. I get, I'm going to say that I get the part at not when not to talk about it, you know? Um, and I'll also say, I don't think it should be on women to talk about it, especially. I think that I have, I don't think I have ever seen a man bring it up on his own though. And I will celebrate that day. I really will. Like the bar shouldn't be that low. Right. But like it, that is what has to happen. You know, I do wonder if they realize they're outsourcing that, outsourcing that emotional work. And I wonder if they realize the depth of pain that some people have who are in your industry, right? Now you just are saying something very similar to how I feel often. I mean, yes, literally the other day when we were talking about, we played a video of a Watson's accuser and we played at the top of the show and it took me uh, like quite some time to recover. And that's obviously, I think, a pretty unique feeling in my world. It is uh, it's literally tough. unique. It is that also that makes me mad. <laughs> it's literally unique to, for you to have the response as a woman. I am sure that you have some male colleague at ESPN who has probably been sexually assaulted or harassed himself as well. And it's sad that those people can't aren't empowered to use that emotional intelligence, let's say. We have a long way to go. <laughs> But but I want to I want to make a point that I feel like is important, which is this isn't just about sports. I do think you know any sort of culture industry where um, men are deified, frankly, you're going to have that consequence um, because it's easier to brush aside the people who are less important. Not not just important like heroes, like economies are built around mm -hmm. these men, but also just industries that are male dominated period. You know, there, there's nothing, it's not just sports themselves in and of themselves that I think have created this sort of culture. I've worked in other male dominated fields and there is a lot of parallels. I'll tell you that. Um, and I think a lot of the re a big reason why when it comes to issues with gender and sexual violence, domestic violence, it feels lagging behind issues like racial justice that we were talking about 
a lot of it just has to do with the lack of representation of women. And so to try to, I guess, pin this or tie a little happier bow, the fact you asked me about these conversations I'm having on the show, I'm on NFL Live, two of the four regulars on any given day are women. And we are pushing and we are advocating and, and our male colleagues understand they're listening, but I'm just saying like the fact that it's that 50% composition, that's freaking different and it's new. And we have a lot of female producers as well. And um, when we ask, how can we change this? It's just having more women in these spaces. I think, frankly, at least at this point. Mina, it is always a delight to talk to you. Thank you for Thank coming you so on the much. show. This is life for me too. You may know that May is Mental Health Awareness Month. Did you know it is also National Pet Month? We here at With Friends Like These are introducing a new reoccurring segment that happens to incorporate both of these awesome causes. Introducing With Adorables Like These. Conversations with animal companions and the people who care for them. A lot of the time, we'll be going behind the scenes at Crooked Media to meet the adorables of the folks who make our podcast possible. And sometimes the adorable's companion will be someone whose name you recognize. If you're curious about what these critters look like, and obviously you should be, check out our various social media. On Twitter, that's at Crooked underscore friends and at Crooked Media will be on Instagram as well. This week, we're starting off with Danita Ramesh, a member of our social team herself and her possibly high senior pup, Scooter. I'm Dayanita, and I am the social media manager for Vote Save America. How long have you been companions with your adorables, and where did you get them? Yeah, so Scooter, uh, my husband and I adopted Scooter when we were still living in D.C. Um, in 2017. Um, and Scooter's a senior dog, so we think he was about six or seven when we adopted him. So I think he's about 10 or 11 now. So I've had him for, this will be like the fourth year, and it's it's been amazing, and he's He's a great little dog. <laughs> Did you want to introduce the other dog, even though he's not here? Yeah, sure. So I have another okay. dog, um, a little chihuahua named Poncho. Um, we adopted him last year. Um, they are really good friends. They nap together. They are usually hanging out in the backyard when it's nice together. It's, it's really sweet to see. And he's also a senior. So it's really sweet to see these like two senior dogs like hanging out together. <laughs> They're enjoying their retirement. Yeah, <laughs> basically. Yeah, my husband and I have joked that like, our house is just becoming like a retirement dog just for old dogs. And I'm fine with that. <laughs> I absolutely love him. I mean, look at him. He's at the dopiest little smile and he's just so chill. He's just incredibly chill. What breed is he? I'm not sure exactly. Um, he's definitely a mix. Like he he, he kind of looks like a um, Shiba Inu, like Chihuahua Terrier mix. I haven't done like the the genetic testing or anything, but I'm really curious. But um, he gets really puffy, like after we give him a bath and he like, he looks like a Shiba Inu. Is there a story behind the name? Yeah. So, um, I don't know how he got his name. That's just the name that he came with. The kind of funny thing was, um, my, my husband and I were like, oh, we love the name Scooter. And like, when I found him on, um, Pet Finder, I was like, I can't believe this. Like there's the dog, like the breed that we, we want, like we wanted a senior dog, like his name is Scooter. Like it just, it all felt very meant to be. So, um, and Poncho, our other dog, um, that's also just the name that he came with. So, uh, we believe that all animals are emotional support animals. How have your adorables been supportive to you? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, especially this past year, um, 
they, I feel like they've kind of done like overtime, like emotional support. Um, just, you know, they, I don't know, like they, they always just want to hang out. Like Scooter kind of like has a smile. So every time I look at him, like I just instantly feel better. Um, and yeah, I mean, just like one of the great things about dogs too, is like, they get you outside. They, they force you to get away from your desk, you know, not look at any screens or anything. So I feel like I have like a new newfound appreciation of the outdoors. Like thanks, thanks to my dogs. I like notice things like, cause they, um, Scooter likes to stop a lot on walks. So I feel like I just have to like look around a lot more. Like, and I just like appreciate just what's like, what's around me outside more. I have to say Scooter looks like he might be high. Is that I, He's normal? gotten that before. Yeah. He's, <laughs> he's so chill. I don't know. Like, we do give Poncho um, CBD because he's, like, really nervous. So, but Scooter is just, like, a natural. He's just high on life, I guess. He just has, like, that 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 dopey grin. That's he's, just yeah, like, he's, the, he's very, yeah, he's... And then he looks at you so lovingly. It's just... I mean, he's usually, he's always with me. I'm, like, working in my office. He's sitting on the sofa. Uh... What cause would your adorable support? Yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm probably thinking of, this probably isn't super creative, but definitely like any, yeah, fighting back against climate change. I mean, like they're, you know, they love being outdoors. Like, I feel like, yeah, you know, animals notice when things, you know, change, you know, um, with the weather and everything. And so, um, yeah, I feel like, you know, Scooter would want, Scooter would want some speedy action on on climate change, I think. (laughs) Go Scooter. Uh, and then last question, do you ever do the voice of your adorable? And could you please say something in the voice of your adorable? Yeah. Um, no. You could say something about climate change if you, if you're looking for something to say, or you could say something, you know, whatever their personality, whatever his personality is. Yeah. So it's cuter, like whenever, um, like, especially whenever we're ordering, we're ordering takeout or anything, my husband and I, one of us will just be like, scooter in scooter's voice, be like, Hey, um. Hey, can I see the menu? Um, you didn't ask me. You didn't ask me what my what I wanted. Um, or like when we, we go get something, he's like, "Can you can you pick up my takeout order?" I, I mean, order. Can you go pick it up? So it's so embarrassing. No one outside of this house has heard that. <laughs> That's why we do the interviews. God, I can't get over his expression. It's so- <laughs> and then how much he loves you. Oh wow. Oh, a little tired. Was this to just wear you out, Scooter? Are you like? It's, you a, gotta, it's a lot. It's a lot. We were nervous. So. Oh, well, you did great. This is fantastic. This is so fun. Thanks to Mina Kimes and Dayanita Ramesh for their time. That is it for the show. I want to give a special thank you to a new member of our team, Jordan Waller, who is producing the Adorable segment. She also works over at Pod Save the People, which you should definitely listen to if you don't already. The rest of the team remains Louis Lino, who engineered the episode, our booker, Izzy Margulies, and our senior producer, Allison Herrera. Whitney Pastrick is campaigning to get her adorable, Wally, a spot in Budweiser's Pupweiser campaign. You can get a look at his adorableness yourself on her Instagram feed, which is at Whittles, at W-H-I-T-T-L-Z. Take care of yourselves. 